Grand Touring Motorsports started as a social group of car enthusiasts, but we've expanded into all sorts of motorsports disciplines, and we want to share our stories with you. Years of racing, wrenching, and motorsports experience brings together a top-notch collection of knowledge and information through our podcast, Break Fix. Hey everybody, Crew Chief Eric here. I wanted to give you a heads up before we head into this episode that we did have some technical issues with the audio. We've done our best to make corrections so that it's easier to listen to, but unfortunately, you know, there's always challenges with internet connection, the different systems that people are using, the audio quality itself. So please, by all means, sit back and enjoy this episode. The content in it is amazing, but our apologies for the quality right up front. Smaller run groups, less traffic, more quality track time. Experience the max speed difference. Max Speed Track Days delivers on those elements with great Southeastern venues, stellar customer service, as well as the curriculum and coaching to enhance anyone's high-speed driving skills. That's right, Brad. And with us tonight is Phil Ingalls, president and CEO of Max Speed Track Days, along with his co-founder, Brendan Blake, to explain how their program works. And as always, I'm your host, Brad. And I'm Eric. So let's roll. Welcome to the show, Phil and Brendan. Hey, guys. So let's get into it. Tell us all about Max Speed, the who, the what, the where, the when. People want to know what it's all about. So how did you guys get started? Where did the name come from? Well, the name came well after the concept, put it to you that way. In 2017, I had an injury, and Brendan Blake is a physical therapist. He owns a couple of practices here in North Georgia. And I ended up in his physical therapy office having him work on my knee. And I'm sitting on the table, he's working on things, and he's got all these pictures of cars on racetracks. And way back in my youth, I've never been on something with a motor and wheels since I was a child, but the, I used to race motorcycles, late teens, early 20s. And then I got into a law enforcement career, and that's not conducive to sport or racing career. So <laughs> anyway, long story short, I ended up on his table. I'm looking at all these cars and racetracks in his office, and I said, hey, Doc, is this you? And he said, yeah. I said, do you race? He says, no. He says, I just do track days. And I kind of re- vaguely remember doing some track days when I was younger after I got out of racing. I was like, okay, we got to talking. Next thing you know, he invites me to a track day. He says, look, me and my buddy's going to be at a track. I think it was a week away or two weeks away. He said, come on out. It's at Road Atlanta. Hang out. Tell me what you think. I showed up. And of course, having been in racing and, and involved in motorsports back in the day, as soon as I showed up at the racetrack and the community and the sights, the sounds, the smells, the fuel, the, the burning rubber, all of that stuff. I was hooked. I go back home and my wife says, hey, how was it? What'd you think? <laughs> I said, to, shook my head. I said, I'm screwed. I said, I'm going to have to buy a Miata and build a track car. <laughs> like, like most good wives, she rolls her eyes at me and, and just says, Haha, okay, baby, whatever, and walks away. This is November of 2017. Come Christmas, she buys me a helmet and racing gloves, and she says, hey, watch me be happy, go do what you got to do. By January of 2018, I had a Miata. By March or April of 2018, I went to my first track night in America at AMP, Lennon-Mosport Park. I just dove in head first. I went and did a few more track days, and then that summer, July or August 2018, I'm at Road Atlanta doing a track day. Brendan is there with me, and he's up a group. He's he's an intermediate or something. I'm in Nazis head instructor that morning. Had a couple sessions, the instructor cut me loose. So that afternoon, the organizer allowed Brendan to bump down 
into novice because we have basically identically prepared NVMIATAs. Right. We just chased each other around the track. It was probably the most fun I'd ever had. And then that afternoon, we're sitting there in the paddock, feet propped up. He said, what are you going to do when you retire? And I said, uh, I have no idea. And was legitimately thinking about starting a septic tank pumping company. <laughs> but you know what the joke is that around that one. So anyway, he looks at me and he says, you ought to start a track day company. Now I made the move. My wife did. I rolled my eyes and I laughed and I was like, okay, whatever. But I could not get the idea out of my head. So I, I see that much like Brad, Brendan is probably the silent partner in this and in a lot of cases. <laughs> I've been itching to tell like my version of the story. I'm just waiting for just a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I figured I'd give you that break. So let, let's hear it. <laughs> so the way that the story goes is we're sitting, we're talking about the track day and he mentions a septic idea. And then I just had to take it and say, Phil, that's a crappy idea. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. So if you're passionate about something, you roll in customer service, organized events to where the person feels like they get a lot of bang for their buck and you appreciate the people who are spending money with you, it's going to be a home run. If we focus on trying to incorporate what some of the driving schools teach us, trying to incorporate it into an HPD event, then it only makes sense to try bring up a quality like company out of this and kind of grow into a space just to offer some more people time on track. And the idea just burst out and it's been on fire. Wrote a business plan, put it all together, had an idea of how many track days we do in year one, two, three, so on and so forth. So now technically this was a concept two and a half years ago. So I started doing some research and did some due diligence and, and, and just, you know, looking at what all was involved. Is it viable? Can I make it happen? And running a track day company supplement my retirement income it was a one much longer, about a month in a Max Speed Track Days LLC was formed. I've also come to find out that you're very close friends with a previous guest of the show. You're friends with Dave Peters from HBDE Junkie. Do you yes. give him a little bit of credit for getting you into this madness? Um, I was going to thank him at the end of this thing. I won't say I give him a little bit of credit. He gets to experience every type of track day that's out there. I just bounce ideas off of him. I'm like, hey, what do you like about this group? What do you not like about that group? What makes you tick when you're on track? Not just with Dave, but with, I tapped as many people as I could. I spent a lot of time with the Ron Z of Discovery Parts in his trailer at Road Atlanta, at NASA events and at other race events, picking his brain and figuring out how can we make the very best track day company, period. The best one that we can make. How can we do that? And we started rolling forward and we held our first event in August of 2019. Within one year, we were on the track and we held our January event this year at Roebling Road and it, it just kind of exploded from there. There was a lot of buzz in the community. Social media took off. Just last weekend, we hosted at Carolina Motorsports Park and we sold out our first event. So Congratulations. That's four events in for Max Speed and our first sold out event. And based on what I'm seeing coming up for April, we go back to Carolina Motorsports Park in mid-April, it looks like it'll be sold out as well. The name came from, I didn't want it to be a name, one of our names, anybody's name. I just wanted it to be something that immediately when you heard the name, there was no doubt about what was going on. <laughs> there was no such thing as MaxBTrackDays.com. So I thought I was lucky in, in landing that. That's the genesis. It's always funny that company names are often decided by what domain is available. 
compared to the names that we're used to here in the DMV, Max Speed is going to be new to a lot of our listeners and a lot of the people tuning in hearing for the first time. You guys are probably one of the newest, if not the newest, HPDE facilitator on the East Coast. So what have you guys learned from the other groups you've been to and how did you turn that into, quote unquote, the max speed difference? As Brendan was saying, the, the customer service aspect, we do a few things differently than other groups. And, you know, I don't, one of the things that we do that I'm serious about is we limit attendance. You can only have comfortably X amount of cars on any given track and people feel comfortable, make passing easy, don't have a whole lot of trains holding people up because everybody's there to go fast. Everybody wants to try to put down a good lap and, and see what they can do, and you can't do it in traffic. So number one, we limit attendance. We simply just we will not oversell a, a run group. That's the smaller run groups, less traffic, more quality track time deal. That's, that's what you get when you come with us. The customer service and hospitality aspect is the best we can provide at all levels, what I call touch points. Any interaction that somebody has with Max Speed Track Days, whether it's how quickly and how professionally an email gets answered or what happens from the moment that they show up at the track to go to driver check-in, how they're greeted, how well we're organized. I will say we're absolutely just a, a family business. It's me, my wife, him, his wife, his daughter, behind the table, taking care of our customers. And we're going to treat our customers the very best we can. One of the things that I loved when I first started going to Track Days with him and the, the thing I noticed when I went to visit and hung out is he had friends that were driving, but there were plenty of people that weren't driving that were just hanging out and everybody's shooting the breeze, having a good time, talking about cars, walking around the paddock. That community and camaraderie that is naturally interwoven into the car hobby and, and HPDEs or racing or, or all of that in general is, is great. So since it's a social hobby, we wanted to foster that at our events. If you go to most events, there's all these little clicks around the paddock. There's these little groups, they gather together. There's a Mustang club over there. There's a Corvette club over there. There's some Porsche guys over there or whatever. Um, we just got groups of friends. What we wanted to do was bring all of those people together into one place. So in all of our events, we have a hospitality pavilion. It, it, it does a couple of things for us as organizers too. If anybody has an issue, they don't go handle it in the paddock. They bring it to us, we will then deal with it, he, he or I will go handle the situation or send one of our instructors to handle a situation. But we want all the contact to come through us. So we give them a central place to do that. To make that place inviting, and it has a woman's touch on it. My, my wife is the one who kind of decorates in there, but we literally roll out and open up tables, have bun, double burner, coffee pot going for morning drivers meeting with pastries out and uh, snacks and refreshments all day long. And that's just where we want people to come. And that tends to see, be what happens. Everybody comes there and hangs out and shoots the breeze between their sessions. So that's one of the things or another thing that we do different. And, uh, and then Saturday evening, we have a social. So we just break out a couple of big coolers of beer and <laughs> invite everybody in. To, and it's all, it's, it's complimentary. That's part of the max speed difference. Nobody pays for snacks and pastries and coffee and waters and Cokes and whatever. It's all part of the experience and, and why you come to us. Well, you guys are down in Georgia. Does that make Road Atlanta your home track? What do you call home? Road Atlanta is in our backyard. And I mean, literally right now, if there were cars running on the track, we could open up our shop door and you could hear them. So our garage club is located less than a mile from Road Atlanta. And of course, he's probably got more laps there simply because he lives right around the corner as well. We got our start at Roebling Road because if you're a brand new track day company and you don't have any money, <laughs> you go where you can afford. You go where you can afford to put on an event. 
And uh, so we, we went there. That was our first one. Not a moneymaker, but a good proof of concept. We kind of knew going in, we weren't going to make any money off this. It's, it's just, you know, let's see if we can make this happen and do it safely and have everybody have a good time. And so that was a great proof of concept. We like to think that any track that we go to is going to be our home track for the weekend. We like to invite our friends and track day family to the event, just like you'd invite your friends and family into your home. Brendan, having a lot more track experience than Phil has, do you have a favorite track? Is there a track that, you know, you would go to time and time again? And let's expand on that a little bit. Is there a bucket list track that you want to go to? I have a question. With Road Atlanta being right here, there's a character to Road Atlanta that's just purely exciting. Every time you drive there, you're learning something new. Every time you go, you're trying to accomplish something different. And there's a smile that's just a little bit extra whenever you spend some time there. Every track that I've gone to, it's now a challenge to try to improve our times. And I'm sure that we're going to talk about the Apex Pro here in just a little bit. Every track that you and I want to talk to, there's some drooling that goes on. Because <laughs> there's something exciting about every corner. There's something exciting about trying to learn something new. At Road Atlanta, it's just exceptional. It's funny, having been on motorcycles at Road Atlanta when I was younger, and I talked to people that, like, say Road Atlanta is their bucket list track or one that's their destination track. They went to Road Atlanta, and they always talk about, that was kind of scary, you know, all the elevation, and there's all this concrete. And to me, I don't even think about that because it's, that's been the place that I've been on more than any other track in my life. I love it. I mean, everything about that track makes me happy. Like he said, we're competitive. Imagine that. People that go to the track and their cars are competitive. Purposely, as we built them over the past, or as I built mine and, and he's built his, and then we got the garage club going, we've kept them as close as possible mechanically so that when we put them on the track, we're testing who, who's, who's better that day. Yeah. So basically, if you're slow that day, it's on you. It's not on the car. Yes, so, yes yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's always the car's fault. <laughs> always, always, you know, you had slightly stupid tires. Yeah, exactly. Always a little more tread than the other guy, right? Maybe right. slower, rolling resistance and all that. <laughs> but you know, it's really funny that everybody we've talked to so far that's from the South or from the Southeast, you know, the bucket list tracks they talk about, much to your point about Road Atlanta being a bucket list for folks like us. And we have gone down there and we yeah. hope to return soon. We always get the, I really want to go to Watkins Glen. And we're like, Dude, I've been to Watkins Glen like a thousand times. Yeah, like, it's not exactly. that big of a deal. Because you're naive when you start a track day company. You think you're going to get a whole lot of track time. No, you're going to give a whole lot of people track time. Yep. But honestly, at our events, Sunday afternoon, when people start packing up, and then generally we get a couple of good sessions on Sunday afternoon. That's kind of about it. So we have to visit other people's events. And uh, the things I told him early on is I said, I would love for us to be in a place at some point where we can pack up the trailers and just take our cars to Laguna Seca. I mean, make two week trip out of it and go drive out there. There's, there's so many tracks. There's one up the Pacific Northwest. I want to drive. And of course, Oh yeah. And VIR. That's always the surprising one. I'm like, Georgia to VIR. Is it really that far? I mean, it's not that far. Um, <laughs> I don't want, just want to drive there though. I want to host there. So yeah. But, you know, going back to your point about hosting, though, it's kind of like the old saying, right? The most miserable person at any party is the guy that's throwing it. Something to be said <laughs> about that. Yeah. I wanted to talk about your footprint. So we have heard a couple of the names of the tracks that you guys go, but like how far north do you go? How far west? How far south? Do you do anything in Florida? What's max speed footprint for track days? It's growing. <laughs> right now, we've only hosted at Roblin Road and CMP. Literally received the contract today for Road Atlanta. And I have 
been waiting dates and contracts from Barber Motorsports Park and National Corvette Museum Motorsports Park. There was a lot of interest at this last event because we had the racing for ALS driver, Scott Lloyd there. He likes to run at the hour a lot. And apparently a lot of people that know him like to run at the hour. So everybody says, yeah, I'm going to host a max speed event at VIR. That's on the radar. I haven't reached out to him yet because I've been, I mean, literally we got back, we just unloaded my trailer this evening before we started this podcast. So, so just got the car out of the trailer and back in the shop today. I'm overwhelmed and excited and happy that we have uh, started taking off like this. So we've talked about, you know, where you guys came from and humble beginnings and all this, and things are still have that new car smell. So let's talk about your guys' DE program and expectations that a new patron of Max Speed would expect when they get there, or even veterans from other organizations coming in. What's it like at a Max Speed DE event? We've learned from every event we put on. Like I said early on, I will listen to anybody who has something to tell me it has to do with the driver education industry, period. I don't care who they are, what piece of input they have, but I'll listen. What we've learned through going to events, hosting events, and then some of the connections in the industry, we've completely revamped our DE program from what it was two and a half years ago. Our DE program starts early with students receiving the Max Speed Novice Playbook. And this is two to three weeks before an event, the Novice Playbook. It's a short study guide. It's just a few pages long, but it helps them prepare before they arrive at the track. and includes a knowledge check that they have to complete and turn in when they come to their first classroom session. It covers everything from vehicle prep and tech, safety, flags, corner stations, uh, safe passing and point buys, as well as a little bit about the tire contact patch and how that changes the inputs to the vehicle. The goal in writing that, and I didn't do it by myself, I, I bounced that off of uh, several people that I got connected with through the Instructor Summit. Uh, one of them, Andrew Rains over at Apex Pro, very helpful in, in helping me craft the novice playbook. And the goal is to improve safety for everybody at the track. When you think about showing up at a racetrack, going through a half hour, 40 minute classroom session, and now you're strapping into a car with an instructor to go however fast your car can go. It's overwhelming. There's a lot of information, a lot of new terms that they have to learn. And so by sending them that information two weeks early and giving them something to study, it brings them in well-prepared. And we found this out because I've totally revamped curriculum was just unveiled last weekend at CMP. And I had great feedback from instructors and students about the program. So that's, that's where they begin with us. Like I said, it's, it's heavily influenced and draws upon decades of knowledge brought together from the instructor summit. And their new, it was just released, the HPD curriculum guide about a month ago, I guess. As soon as it was released, I started completely rewriting our knowledge curriculum. Part of my law enforcement career, I've been teaching multiple disciplines since the mid-90s, whether it's firearms, defensive tactics, driving, EVOC, emergency vehicle operations courses. So, so I've been teaching adult students most of my adult life. Teaching driving is just a, it's just a new lesson plan. Since you guys are owner operator, does that mean you're also the classroom instructors as well as the CIs? I'm currently the classroom instructor. And I guess you would call me the CI as well. As a coordinator, our instructor cadre, I introduce the students to them. At that time, I do an e-introduction between the students and the instructors to get the novice playbook. That way they can talk to their instructor for a couple of weeks before they show up at the track, kind of get to know them. If there's personality conflicts that come out, we can get ahead of that and reassign somebody before they come to the track. The only reason I act as our chief instructor and classroom instructor right now is because we haven't found somebody that can commit to our schedule yet. 
if I can find somebody that, that can commit to the max speed schedule and can wrap their head around the whole customer service aspect that we're trying to provide, if it's the right person, then I will gladly give up that duty to somebody else that's been doing HD instruction longer so that I can go out and make the rounds through the paddock and be face-to-face with our customers more. Absolutely. You say you can have a sold-out event and you limit... The, the amount of people on track and, and the different run groups and everything. How many students do you usually have? Uh, and what's the student to instructor ratio? 10 to 15 students is where I cap it at. And that's determined A, on how many instructors I'm gonna have, because for most DE groups, that's probably the hardest thing is to make sure that they can get a good cadre of instructors that will come to their events on a regular basis. We have a one-to-one student instructor ratio and generally three to five additional instructors that are just surplus. And so having a surplus is great because you inevitably need one that has to give somebody a check ride to advance or, or will come to you and say, hey, this guy in that car did something super stupid in this turn or on that straightaway. And then we have to go have that talk with somebody then to confirm whether or not it was safe or unsafe, we'll put an instructor in the right seat and go out for a session and then deal with whatever happens after that. Whether it's a run group demotion or what have you, that's, you know, always a touchy subject, but it has happened in our events. And at the end of the weekend, the person that got demoted was actually thanking us for giving him an instructor and and making his weekend more fun. So if we can accomplish that demoting somebody, then then we're pretty happy about it. And he became a safer driver. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's going to lead me uh, into my next question about the progression model. You know, a novice student comes out. How do they progress through the different run groups up to ultimately advance and maybe even becoming an instructor themselves? We only run three run groups, and that allows us to give everybody access to a lot more track time than most of the DE organizations out there. Well, the novice group that we have includes both novice solo and novice students. They go out in the same group. We have an intermediate and advanced group. So with our three run groups, I'm currently working on putting together an intermediate and an advanced playbook as well so that drivers coming in have something to manage their expectations. What is expected of them to advance from novice to intermediate and then from intermediate to advanced? That all, you know, focuses around awareness and safety and, and individual driver technique and skill, but the awareness is the biggest differentiating factor between which run group you're going to be in in your management of traffic. Just me jumping in here, Phil. I think one of the keys here is that we're very careful with who we actually allow into the different run groups. So it starts with your selection process and just really vetting them and just making sure that they belong in the right group. So that makes it easier. And then we have several of the instructors that we trust that will go and do a checkoff ride and that then say, yes, they can agree like to go on to the next run group. You talked earlier about limiting the size of the run groups and of the event itself. Do you figure that size out by the ratio of cars per mile? Do you have some other way of determining or do you just have a fixed number and say, hey, we want 20 novices and we're happy with 20. How do you keep your run group small? It does go somewhat by the length of the track and also the configuration. So uh, at Roblin Road, which is 1.54 miles or something, we limit that to 30 people per run group, period. Novice and medium advanced. At CMP, we were at 35 per run group, would be in 2.24 mile track. At DIR, we might allow as many as 40. You know, I don't think I would put any more than that on any track anywhere. That would be my limit. But it is based on track length and configuration. Like I said, you have some tracks at AMP, uh, Atlanta Motorsports Park. It's a great track. You can't put more than 30 people on there. 
it's just too technical. There's not enough long passing zones. And so we would limit that one to 30 people as well. Gotcha. So in addition to that, you've got the coaches peppered throughout the three different run groups. They can run wherever they like. Yeah, our, our, our instructors can run in any group that they want to, but I've yet to have an instructor hold up traffic. I've got to have an instructor, you know, somebody come over and go, hey, that instructor was holding me up all the time. Uh, yeah. I guess this question goes back to earlier about, you know, students and instructors. Is there anything right now that we should know about with respect to this post-COVID world? Any special rules or anything like that? We don't enforce rules any stricter than whatever region or state or county that we're you know, hosting in. And, and they change from county to county but our overall recommendation is that our attendees assess their own level of, level of risk, follow CDC guidelines. We provide these guidelines with our information packets prior to the events and any venue-specific guidance on COVID is relayed with our final pre-event email to our customers. We do and have since we did our first COVID-affected event, I guess, we kind of got lucky because we only had one event on the books in 2020, and it was in August, and it was at Roebling Road. In June, the governor here kind of opened up the state and local places to do what you think is right in your particular county. We were able to get through that pretty unscathed and host an event at, in August at Roadland Road. We did have hand sanitizing stations in various places, so we put out hand sanitizer. And instead of, like in our first event when we had coffee and pastries, we actually went and got donuts from Dr. Donuts and they were fresh. Everything was prepackaged. Um, and it has continued to stay prepackaged for multiple reasons. We found out it was easier that way too, but it's safer and cleaner. You know, we don't have food that, that people can contaminate. So everything's prepackaged, hand sanitizing, uh, recommending masks if you can't maintain social distance if you're indoors, especially. And as far as the instructors and the students, they can determine what, what level of risk do you have with a full face helmet on sitting next, next to somebody in a car. So we don't do lead follow and I, I, just, I just wouldn't do it just based on my experience with, like I said, the instructor summit and, and knowing and bouncing ideas off of so many instructors, especially some that were forced to do lead follow in some organizations. And then they come back from it and they realize, well, that student didn't quite get as much quality information and in coaching as he could have if he'd had an instructor in the car. That then could affect safety. And it's not something that we want to do. We want it, we want it to be as safe as possible. So we're going to do it in car and I think we're getting really close to having enough vaccine in this country for everybody. So hopefully COVID will be behind us by summertime and, and we can all go back to enjoying our hobby the way we used to. We talked about instructing a little bit and the DE program so far, you know, both Brad and I are coaches. We've gone through a multitude of different certification processes, et cetera. So we're always interested and we're always asking on the behalf of all of our friends that are coaches, What's it like to coach with Max Speed? What are you looking for in a coach? What are the requirements to come to you guys for the first time and say, hey, I've been to Road Atlanta 10 times. Can I come coach for you? What's involved in that process? Like I said earlier, we, I got invited to go to the Instructor Summit by Andrew Reigns of Apex Pro. Or actually, he introduced me to Eric Meyer. And then you know how that community is. Once you, you get in there, and I actually went to the Instructor Summit in, I think it was December of 2019 here at Road Atlanta. Got to meet Ross Bentley and a whole lot of the other principals of different uh, HPE companies here in the Southeast, as well as awesome instructors, with some that I've known from coming up through the DE ranks myself. And then I really wrap my arms around the instructor summit and the information they provide because I'm kind of like a sponge. I'll, I'll, I'll learn anything from anywhere I can. So as part of that process, Brendan and I have both started our MSF 
level one goal to become MSF level two certified. And then ultimately I'm working with the Scott Elkin right now about getting max speed certified to run our own MSF level two instructor curriculum course so that we can bring people from novice to intermediate to advanced and then straight on into instructing should they desire to do that. Everything's based on information brought down from the instructor summit. As far as people coming to instruct with us, if they've got an instructor certification from another organization, if it's PCA or BMW or NASA, SCCA, whatever, so if they've got something like that from another organization, we'll allow them to instruct for us. I know some people that don't have an instructor certification that are competitive racers and have competition licenses that are probably better at relaying that information than some of the instructors I know. So we do have some competitive racers that also assist with our instruction. Very cool. Well, that's good to know. And it's always nice to have reciprocity because a lot of us as coaches do invest time in going through these certification processes. So we want to make sure that they're accepted in other places. And obviously, you know, nationally recognized programs like NASA and SCCA, they carry a lot of weight, you know, along with uh, all the other ones that are out there. So that's good to know. I'm happy to know that you guys are welcoming us with open arms. Absolutely. So, so if I'm ready to come out to a track day and I want to come drive with max speed, how do I do that? Where do I find you all? How do I find your calendar? Obviously, HPDE junkie, I'm sure. But are there other places, your website, other things like that? And then how do I register? I would say the best way to find us is by visiting our website, maxspeedtrackdays.com. If you go there, the very first thing you'll see on the homepage is a register for events button. Click it, it drops you down to our events calendar. Once you're there, each event has a description, how much it's going to cost, where it's going to be, the date, time, et cetera. And once you click register here, that takes you to clubregistration.net, which is who we use for our registration platform. We also list events on Motorsports Reg. They allow, of course, the calendar listing, even if you don't use their registration services. So we're, and then hpdejunkie.com has virtually every track in North America. So find us there as well. So you mentioned you've got three run groups. So what does that equate to for average session length? What's the average weekend and or, or day cost? And then the, I guess the dollars per session, dollars per track time. How's that all play out? At all of our events, our current full weekend events, participants have access to six hours of track time over the weekend. It's a lot of track. Most, most people don't hang out for the second half of Sunday. But yeah, so everybody gets six 30-minute run sessions or run group sessions per day. They're spaced out with three run groups. So you run for 30 minutes, you get an hour to chill out and relax, and then you're back on the track for 30 minutes. Total cost for our most recent event at CMP was $450, and uh, that's a full weekend. That equals a per-session price of $3,750. Or a buck twenty-five a minute, which we kind of think is pretty great value for our customers tracking dollar. I think that's the most accurate breakdown we've ever gotten on the show. So thank you for that. <laughs> I was like, that's also the lengthiest amount of track time for a weekend as well. That is that very true. Six hours is a lot of track time. It's definitely the longest we've heard. It's part of it's on our website too. All of these things that we put out into the public space, whether it's through social media or on our website or whatever, our goal is to provide the very best track time and driver education in the HPD industry, period. And I know we're young and new, but that is our goal every day. Brendan is invaluable as an advisor in a, in a business mind. The fact that we started two and a half years ago and we've only run four events, I'm always looking three years down the road. Where do we position ourselves in the market so that we can give our service? We like thinking we provide a service and we're privileged to be able to do it. So bring these people together, 
give them a good, safe environment to go out and enjoy the racetrack. And then on top of that, encourage that camaraderie and that, that friendliness in the paddock and in the, the hospitality pavilion. We like seeing smiling faces at our events, and we just want to keep bringing that to the public. So you've got smiling faces on the other side of a laptop on your website, getting ready <laughs> to register for either CMP, Roblin Road, or Road Atlanta, which is what I've heard so far. So what comes next? Are we doing tech? You talked about the playbook, doing some e-learning type stuff up front, which is really cool. How do we get from, I click the button and put in my credit card number to my first session out on track? What happens in between? We don't inspect our participants' cars for a couple of reasons, but mainly that responsibility is left to them or a mechanic of their choosing. They must sign off on our tech form and waiver certifying that they have inspected all the items we list on our tech form and waiver, making sure that they're safe and to assure that their vehicle's safe for high-speed driving. It just goes back to, in the past, it's better to put that onus of responsibility on the customer than for me to say, I don't know what every single vehicle on the planet requires, you know, where where the where this is on that or what you know what that is on a different car. They bring us the tech form, they say, yep, it's ready to go. And if it breaks, it's on them. We let them go with that. It also allows us to not spend an hour every morning checking 90 cars. So it, it's a it's a time saver, which allows us to put the six hours of track time on in the weekend. As long as they sign off and bring it, they're ready to run. That's right. And I know one thing is for certain, if you are leaking blinker fluid, you have a problem. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we talked about the registration process. We talked about tech and things like that. You know, safety is paramount. It's something that it's the front of everybody's mind, but it's also the thing that keeps most people from coming out to events like this. And the other thing is usually, well, I don't have the right car. Well, you know, many people have said, run what you brung and you're going to have a blast. So we can just kind of discount that from the word go. But it's always the other side of it is, well, I can run what I brung, but I need to make sure I'm covered in some shape or form if something suddenly happens. Like this is my daily driver. I can't afford to wreck it, you know, whatever. And then suddenly a few years back, the idea of track insurance was born, you know, thanks to folks like Lockton and Haggerty and, and so on down the line. So we want to get your opinion as an organizer about how you feel about track insurance. Do you recommend it? And if you do, is it part of your registration process or do you have a recommended track insurance partner that you tell people that they should look into before coming to a max speed event? I think it all starts with the attitude of the organizers for safety. I think it comes down to the quality of the instructors and the mindset that you have with your instructors for the students for the classroom sessions. So there's an overall kind of an atmosphere or a mood that comes down from the top down. And I think one of the most critical things that we put an emphasis on that maybe we didn't see with some of the other groups that we've like participated in is how do you deal with issues? How do you deal with problems? If there is a driver in a particular run group that's causing issues and problems, what is the best way to deal with that situation? And we take it seriously because we want quality, we want everyone else to have fun, And there's a way that you can solve issues without causing a major issue. And I think it's a way that it gets dealt with. Being as new as we are, we don't have any partners per se. Uh, We have, the way that I look at it, the way that we look at it is that we recommend that each attendee research the market based on the vehicle's value and what level of financial risk they're comfortable with before they put their vehicle on the track. that's, That's just solid advice. He and I both drive 20-year-old Miatas, and if I total it, I will drag it back up onto the trailer. I'll buy a new tub next week, and I'll put all my goodies on it, and I'll go back to the track. Buying the GT3 probably doesn't feel the same way. You know, they, they might want to come out and, and get track insurance. 
Uh, we make it known that it's available to our customers, but we don't require it. We don't, re we don't recommend any particular provider. We do at least give them the idea that, hey, this is available if you're concerned about making your vehicle track. The other thing you pointed out at the beginning of that question was safety. I think a lot of people don't recognize how safe it actually is to take your car to a track day and explore its limits and your, your limits as a driver. If you're going to do that, do it on track where, you know, if you lose it, there's, you know, sand pits and tire barriers and, and things designed to keep you safe should you happen to have it off. Plus the fact that the, the relative safety achieved by everybody going in the same direction under the same rules and working together to keep everybody safe. It is truly safer on track because of the gear we use, the training we have, the environment itself, than these folks that are running around on the major highways at triple digit speeds, weaving in and out of cars. There's a higher probability of something happening on the street in a fluke occurrence that somebody's not paying attention, they're not situationally aware, all these kinds of things. I mean, we could wax poetic about this for probably an entire another episode, although I think we've already done that before. So the <laughs> idea there is, is to remind people again that in a lot of most Motorsports and all the disciplines that we've talked about on this show, HPDE, along with a lot of others, is some of the safest out there. And the skills that you learn at a DE are second to none. They're not like anything you would have learned in driver's ed or anything like that. And I think it, it pays people dividends to come and learn what a car can really do. Oh, yeah. And learn to not be afraid of it. It's a tool. It's not an appliance, right? That's always my big thing. And you need to learn how to, to use that tool appropriately. And DE is the right place to do it. Have you thought about with Max Speed doing some sort of tie-in with street survival and with like teenage defensive driving and kind of using that as a way to curate and, and bring people up into the, the HPDE hobby. I have. I've actually spoken with Ron Z, and he's on the board at Atlanta Motorsports Park. And Atlanta Motorsports Park has a very good teenage driving course that they put on at their facility. And it is something that we've discussed that Max Speed might eventually sponsor something like that at Atlanta Motorsports Park for just that purpose. It hasn't come to fruition yet as we've been busy getting the ball rolling and getting our name out there and, and getting a, a customer base that, I mean, obviously we keep selling out events that allow us the flexibility to spend resources elsewhere on things like that that aren't necessarily, they're not going to make your money back for the day, but they're going to help you give back to young drivers. And, and honestly, anybody that comes to an HPDE, not only are they going to learn great skills, I, I believe they're going to leave a safer driver on the street because once you have driven your car at speed on a racetrack there's no way you can duplicate any of that on mountain road or anything with the level of safety involved and, and i find a lot of people that leave hpds they talk about yeah i didn't speak on the street anymore let's talk about other services that max speed offers that our listeners may not be familiar with those that are already comfortable with des and you know have an idea of what they should expect What's something else that really stands out about Max Speed? One of the things early on, like I said, I reached out to Andrew Rains, who uh, was one of the founders of Apex Pro, a digital driving coach. Through that relationship and bouncing ideas off of him about what he thought the HPDE industry needed, what could he help us bring to the market? We became retailer for, or dealer rather, for uh, Apex Pro. Brendan and I use it all the time to compare our own data because we're in such similar cars. If one of us has a session and, you know, we're three or four tenths faster than the other one, we will sit down in the paddock 
and take out our phones and we will literally overlay data and look at who was, you know, okay, you carried X amounts of speed through this corner versus me, what am I doing? So we use that to help us become better drivers. And then we share it with our customers. And once you get out of the novice ranks and you're really, you know, you're an intermediate or advanced driver and you're trying to shave tenths of a second, you need something to help you do that, some sort of driver aid. And I just really like the Apex Pro platform. So uh, we carry that. We carry a lot of products to support the platform. We have hosted data and donuts event here in our Max Speed Garage Club. We invited people in that didn't even use an Apex Pro. I don't care if they use an M2. So whatever they use to, to gather data, racers and HPD folks, it didn't matter what data platform they used. Data is the same. It's just how you gather it and then how it's represented back to you. Do you have to use a laptop or a computer or can you do it on your phone or an iPad screen we put up? We, we show them a speed trace. We explain to them what's going on at the top and the bottom of the speed trace. How you can actually look at a speed trace and say, oh, I know what racetrack that is based on the speed trace because you know where your high points, your low points are. Like I said, very heavily involved with the Apex Pro and and helping drivers use data to better their, their driving skills. So several times you've mentioned the Garage Club. Then I also noticed by looking at your website, there's something known as the Max Rewards Program. Do you want to unpack both of those for us? The many things that we do that you know, encompasses that max difference is our Max Rewards Program. We understand that people have a choice in where they spend their traffic dollar. There's a lot of providers out here. And honestly, the, the biggest thing now is finding good, viable dates at racetracks. We, we need more asphalt. We came up with a, a loyalty program, basically. So the Max Rewards program gives our customers 10% cash back on every dollar they spend with us. So they spend money with us. When they accumulate 1,000 points, we send them a $100 Max Rewards Visa gift card just spend as they choose. Here at CMP last weekend during our driver's meeting, we gave out three, and some of those points, it's not just on events. They can earn points by buying an Apex Pro through our website or buying accessories or any track day purchases for HPDE or any purchases made through our website. Our customers can accumulate max rewards points. That's our max rewards program in a nutshell. And the Garage Club? The Garage Club, I think that was his fault. <laughs> this this whole thing was his fault because he's the one that swayed me away from having a septic tank company. You know, I could have been cleaning up crap right now. Another crappy idea. <laughs> so, uh, but basically he lives in a neighborhood where they want to allow you to park your race car in the driveway. And he had his race car and, or his race car, his HPE car. He's Miata parked in a storage place over here around the corner. His tools were all in the garage. So the garage club started a place for, us to get our cars, tools, go-karts, golf carts, and other things out of our wives' garages. <laughs> and uh, we rented a, it's about an 1,800-square-foot shop. It's, it's the, about one mile from the front entrance of Road Atlanta. We moved our tools and our cars in and started meeting on the weekends to, to work on our track day cars. Then, as often happens, we decided we had to have a lift because we're old and I don't want to call underneath my car. So we bought a lift and we installed a lift. Since we both have full-time jobs and we weren't using the place much except on the weekends, we thought, you know, we had a bunch of buddies that do this too. And so we invited them over and, and essentially our buddies and track day friends and stuff like that joined the club or, or started using them. And so we, we just kind of split the rent amongst ourselves. And well, we didn't at first. It was, can we do this? Is it legal? More research, due diligence, insurance? Uh, how do we take care of that? What kind of liabilities involved? Got all those pieces of the puzzle figured out and 
and the Moon Speed Garage Club was formed. So right now it's just a few of our friends and us, and we basically split the rent. But as soon as I retire from the feds and devote 100% of my time to this uh, endeavor, the Max Speed Garage Club will be exposed exploding as a <laughs> expanding put it that way we're gonna be looking for other spaces and uh, offer vehicle storage full service mechanic work as well as the opportunity for people that want to do self-service mechanic work to be able to utilize a lift and tools and such that we'll have available that's going to grow as soon as i can give it 100 percent of my time we stage out of here as well when we do a track day at uh, well, like road atlanta yeah. um you know there's a lounge area here that has an air conditioner and a heater and a refrigerator and it's just a comfortable place with several couches just to uh, just to spend some time like between runs at yeah when we're when we're not when we're not day. hosting if we're spending if we're going to something let's face it you go to somebody's track day in august to go to Atlanta and it's 100 degrees outside you can sit around the paddock in some shade or pull off the track we drive one mile down the street pull into our garage hop out go into the air-conditioned lounge have a nice cold water compare data, sit around for an hour and 20 minutes, and then we jump in our cars, put our Hans and helmets on, and we're driving right back to the racetrack. <laughs> nice. Very it's pretty cool. convenient for that. So Phil and, and Brendan, as we wrap up this segment here, you know, we always want to give people the opportunity to thank their sponsors, shout out to different people. So now's your chance. We don't have any actual sponsors. We are open to have some. If anybody wants to come, you know, give us some brake pads or something, we'd be down for that. But uh, we have a lot of great mutual agreements and like mutual promotion agreements and, and mutual promotion things in place with people. You mentioned him earlier in the, in the show, and we are friends. Dave Peters from HPE Junkie. Like I said, he, he lists virtually every track day in North America, but he has been a huge resource in helping us get Max Speed launched. As far as the format that we put out and and the whole touch point feel that you get if you come to a max speed event dave's been part of helping us craft that and, and put that in place andrew rains at apex pro once again invaluable resource when we were just when this was just a concept and uh, of course we we are an apex pro dealer through that relationship so racing for als scott lloyd he was at our most recent event and we actually have a friend a personal friend who has a shop right here at the corner across from us whose wife recently got a great uh, ALS diagnosis. So having them there, having her there, it's been a great relationship. And so we want to help raise awareness. So, you know, shout out for Racing for ALS and them. Carl and Sylvia Metz run Toby Anna's Guardian Angel Rescue, a 501c3 that rescues dogs all through the Carolinas and Georgia. They've just been really good friends. He's helped promote us a ton. He knows he's been doing this hobby for 30 years in racing champ car and, and lemons and you name it. So they run that rescue. And as part of it, we do a touring lap segment where we raise money for their, for their charity. And I mean, he's got a multi-thousand dollar vet bill every month. So, so we do what we can to help them out. Last but not least, Annika Carter of Annika's Racing. She was big on social media for us early on to help get the word out. Ron Zappendorf, Discovery Parts. Ethan Jew, Alliance Racing in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, Michael Gallagher is the president of Power Dynamics Consulting and a NASA racer who runs late model stuff. He and his wife, who owns Violin HD, were huge in promoting us around Roebling, which, like you said earlier, we don't really have a home track, but, but we have been there three times. We love hosting there. And those people down in that region have helped us 
tremendously. So shout out to all of those people. We appreciate your help. So Brendan and Phil, I got to commend you guys for jumping into this market, you know, stick, sticking your necks out there and, and trying something new and setting yourselves up for retirement in this world of HPDE. It, it's a very rewarding one. It's a very educational one. I think you guys are on the right track. You're doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes. And we wish you the best of luck in this endeavor. And we want to see where you are next season and the season after that and so on. And we're looking forward to coming and joining one of your events here in the near future. So we'll be keeping an eye on your schedule. And for those of you that are listening, if you want more information on Max Speed Track Days, remember to visit MaxSpeedTrackDays.com or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at MaxSpeedTrackDays. Or if you want to get a hold of Phil and Brendan, use their online contact us form on their website. As a special note for all of our listeners, anyone that subscribes to the Max Speed newsletter those folks are automatically entered to win a free track weekend, $100 Visa gift card or other merchandise, swag, et cetera, just for following Max Speed's progress along the way on this epic journey that they've taken on in the HPDE world. So I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show, sharing your story, getting people to know you better. And again, we wish you the best of luck. Eric, Brad. We want to thank you for giving us the opportunity, helping us spread the word about Max Speed. And we would love to, to chat more, say a year, 18 months down the road and see see where that vision is taking us. Absolutely. We want to see you guys at VIR. 100%. <laughs> I want to see us at VIR as well. <laughs>that's right listeners if you enjoyed this episode be sure to check out our patreon for a follow on pit stop mini sode so check that out on www.patreon.com forward slash gt motorsports and get access to all sorts of behind the scenes content from this episode and more if you like what you've heard and want to learn more about gtm be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org you can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization. And our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, Gummy Bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.